Thanks to the folks at Racetech. Pulp 21 is the code to save with Racetech. When you call down there to get suspension work done, motor work done, giving your bikes some love, mention Pulp MX and save at Racetech.com. They will dial you in. Those guys will. And, uh, man, they do great work. They've been doing it in the sport for a long time since, like, I don't know, the early 80s. Two strokes, four strokes, finished bikes, modern bikes. They can do motor work for you. They got one-piece valves now for KX and YZ250Fs. They have suspension work that they uh, can do for your bike to dial you in for your weight and or speed. Racetech.com. Give your bike some love. Check out their website. Tell them you use Pulp and save some money. A Pulp MX Network production. Welcome to the Fly Racing Steve Mathis Show presented by Maxis Tires, Renthal, Motorsport.com, and Kuba Links on RacerXOnline.com. With your continued support of our sponsors, we have surpassed 1,700 podcasts delivered with over 17 million downloads. Click that Amazon banner on Pulp MX to help us out. Donate via Patreon if it suits you. And as always, enrich your moto lifestyle by working with the sponsors who support us. Moto Podcast, featuring legends of the past, stars of today, season previews and race reviews, introspection, opinion, facts, and laughs. Here's your host, Steve Mathis. Welcome, everybody, to the Fly Racing Racer X Podcast with Jim Lewis, old buddy of mine, MergeRacing.com. He's a uh, Done a lot in the sport, as you're going to hear. Really interesting guy. And, uh, man, cool stories from Jim Lewis. So thanks for listening. Thank you to Fly. Fly Racing. You know their name. You know the game Fly Racing has. Love those guys down there. They make great gear. They make off-road gear. If, you, if you're like Lone Wolf and you need some. They make modern motocross gear like Brayton and Osborne and Savachi and Bogleware. Uh, they've got a really, really cool stuff for the summer. Now that it's uh, 8,000 degrees here. In Las Vegas, so uh, Kinetic Mesh will dial you in and get you cool. I think I say dial you in too much. I'm going to try to dial that down. Flyracing.com. Get them through motorsport.com or your local dealer. Thanks to the folks at Renthal. You know Renthal. Whether it's a fat bar 36 that was introduced last year, whether it's a fat bar uh, without a crossbar, whether it's a twin wall bar, or the old 7 eighths bar, a fraction of a second, a few grams, a couple of millimeters. It all counts. Welcome to the winning world of Renthal. The winning brand in manufacturing design for the last half century. Renthal continues to lead the world at the very top level of sport. They have more titles than all the other brands combined, which is gnarly when you think about that. They got 230 U.S. titles, 223 world titles for a total of 453 major championship titles combined. Roxon, Webb, Muscan, Tomac, AC, blah, blah, blah. You know the name. Uh, sprockets, bars, chains. Grips, Renthal.com for more information. SGB Maxis team, A-Ray uh, using Maxis tires out there. Jeremy Smith, Rod Bell, who's going to surely start the heat up here this summer. Developed by Jeremy McGrath, used by those guys. Uh, mountain bike tires as well are fantastic, the Minion mountain bike tires. So the folks at Maxis will have you covered. When you need a tire and you're thinking about tires, I guarantee you Maxis can help you uh, get that tire and they can dial you in. See, I just said it again, but that was more of a joke. Maxis.com. Thanks to the folks at Motorsport and Coba Links, all on board with us as well. Don't forget, Arma, if you need some Arma, um, use the 
PulpMX20 at armor.com to save with those guys. Karcher as well. PulpMX code at Karcher if you're looking to save on a pressure washer. We've got a couple of affiliate programs with those guys. Manscaped, PulpMX code at Manscaped. Get yourself a lawnmower. Look good down there for the ladies or the men. And uh, check out the folks at Manscaped and all they can do. Use the code to save some money. All right. On to the podcast. And now, as promised, on the Fly Racing Racer X podcast, uh, a gentleman who I've known for a long time and worked with uh, briefly for a little bit and uh, is one of the smartest guys in the pits. Looking forward to talking to him. It's Jim Lewis. What's up, Jim? How are you, man? I'm doing well. Yeah, actually uh, sitting up in Squim, uh, Washington at the moment. Oh, um, nice. We've got a little bit of a break, so working on some uh, some house stuff. That's, uh, that's an awesome area of the country. I used to stay up in... Um, um, uh, Astoria, up there, and uh, okay. yeah, it was great. It's uh, it's awesome up there. Yeah, yeah, different to the Texas Oklahoma heat <laughs> in the summertime, anyway. Just a little bit. Uh, <laughs> well, look, Jim. Uh, you know, you were supposed to be really busy this year. Uh, you teamed up with uh, Manaluk Racing and the uh, Rock River guys, and and Alex Martin on the Yamaha was going to do Supercross and Motocross, and uh, poor Troll Train. It just hasn't come together. He's he's out now with a broken arm. He missed a lot of Supercross as well, and uh, you've had more time off than you would like. Well, yeah. I mean, obviously, everybody wants to go racing, but I've always kind of figured out you got to keep yourself busy. Mm-hmm. So, you know, when we've had those windows of uh, of time, um, instead of you know sticking your feet up, you get and do something different, you know. So it it did allow us to get a little bit of development stuff done this year, and um, but you know we're we're anxious to get back racing and show where we're at, I guess. And and uh, you know Alex is chomping at the bit to uh, uh, to get back out there, and uh, yeah, he's had quite a bit of a hardware put in his arm, yeah. uh, I guess. So. Um, We'll see. He's he's hoping to come back sooner than I would have expected. Yeah, I heard that. He, we had him on the show on Monday night, and he was like, maybe, oh, cool. Mil- maybe Millville, he was saying. I'm like, what? <laughs> yeah, crazy. I mean, he's got um, uh, just a splint on in the moment already. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, I think he's, you know, he's mature, so he, he knows uh, – he knows the limits, and uh, I don't. I don't foresee him coming back until he feels like he can be competitive and, you know, yep. reasonably without pain. So we'll see. Nice for a motor guy like you to dive into a Yamaha. Um, you know, the, the stock platform is fantastic. The the way they uh, put the air in the motor and the injector location and all of that makes a real easy job for a guy like you to make more horsepower. It it does, yeah. Um, I think now some of the other engines have got um, a few different advantages. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, most of the other engines now with um, uh, you know finger follower valve train and stuff like that, they they're happier revving than than the Yamaha. But mm-hmm. the the Yamaha you know can make so much bottom and middle. Uh, normally, it's uh, it's not too much of an issue. Yeah. So, um, we we did have a little bit of an issue at uh, at at, um, at Pala, um, you know, during the Supercross season. Alex was pushing hard to like, hey, we can use everything we got, so mm-hmm. that's what we did. Right. <laughs> Lo and behold, it was like, hey, I can't hold on to this thing. So <laughs> yeah, he said that. <laughs> we need to move it around, and um, so uh, that's what we did a little bit for. Uh, 
for Lakewood, and it was a shame, really, he got uh, injured again there because I think he was uh, he was on for a good result. Yeah, seventh in the first practice, and yeah, certainly looking to turn around it from from Paula, right? Um, yep, exactly. Uh, MergeRacing.com to learn more about what Jim does, suspension, motors. Uh, you're you're a man, you're a jack of all trades on a motorcycle. Do you enjoy one over the other, the chassis and suspension versus uh, versus a motor? No, I think for me, uh, I, I enjoy the the development, the in, in and the improvement. And uh, mm-hmm. I was lucky enough to persuade a uh, young guy from California, Redane Dixon, to come on board. Uh, Gosh, must be a couple of years ago now, mm-hmm. and um, Redane is great. He's we, we think alike, mm-hmm. and um, he does most of the uh, engine builds and suspension um, builds, and uh, it allows me to to look a little bit more on the specs and the tune-in and and new products and stuff like that. And that's what I really enjoy the the the, uh, the creation creative side, I guess. Uh, is Michael Holligan still involved with Merge? He is. Okay. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Michael's still uh, still involved. I mean, he's busy with real estate right. stuff, but um, he's uh, he's working on a uh, a new um, uh, restaurant that we'll see uh, in Garland, Texas. Uh, I, I think uh, hopefully this this uh, year. Um, it got shelved a little bit with all the COVID stuff, mm-hmm. but uh, it's a. Um, Kind of a hard rock theme, um, but um, it's all going to be classic dirt bikes. Oh, okay. And nice. Yeah, so he's awesome. got some pretty awesome uh, um, uh, awesome collection of bikes. He's got, uh, I think, uh, Johnny O'Mara's 125 Mugen and um, uh, Hannah's last uh, RM250, the his last national on uh Travis Pastrana's um, uh, championship-winning bike and lots of other things like uh, cool motocross donation helmets and right. stuff like that. So. Oh, nice. It's kind of like that place in St. Louis, uh, that Moto Museum, which is also a really neat place. Exactly. Yeah. Yep, exactly. Um, you've got a long history in the sport. I think a lot of people over here first started hearing about you. Uh, you're from England, and uh, a lot of people first started hearing about you when you worked with Kyle Regal when he was a privateer from Texas. Uh, people were seeing his results and, and looking at his bikes and being like, hmm, who's the guy doing that? Uh, but you've been in this thing for so long. Uh, now, let's we'll talk about Regal, and we'll talk about uh, coming to the States a little bit, but let's let's go back into the time machine, Jim, if we can, and, and, <laughs> and start you off uh, in England, uh, motocross racing at some point. How'd you get into it? Uh, I think really back in school, which is a long time ago now, and um, a friend of mine had uh, um, a 125 Saracen with a sax motor okay. um, that yep. he raced, and uh, it got me into it. I raced for a few years, um, um, kind of a, a squid, really wouldn't put myself uh, <laughs> uh you know, as as a as a as a good racer, mm-hmm. but um, you know, not too many people around uh, around near me to get good advice and stuff. And I got more interested in working on the bikes than I did uh, yeah. than, than riding. Really, right. um, started off working on the nationals. Uh, probably would have been eighty three with Rob Andrews. Um, you know, yep. few people have heard of. Yeah, for sure. And um, we were lucky enough to get a deal with the. Uh, uh, the Yamaha Porter at the time, where he could get as many bikes as he wanted. So every time we felt like we wanted to try something, we would experiment on the bike, 
and and uh, and uh, get a bit radical with it, yep. and then get a new one and apply that to that. If it worked, if it didn't, sell it. <laughs> and uh, nice. we we ended up with a really really competitive um, uh, uh, YZ250 in the Open Championship in England, and I think he got second that year. Um, that got me uh, some interest with David Watson, who at that time in '83 was kind of semi factory Yamaha in in Europe. So uh, David asked me if I'd like to come work with him, and that was going to be on the Boyson Link 500 air-cooled Kawasaki. Oh, wow. Um, I didn't know the Boyson Link was around back then. Okay. That was part of the problem. It yeah. never did come. <laughs> so <laughs> we were uh, we were promised these. Uh, they they were going to do the motors, and it would come with the Boyson Link. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, uh, which, if anybody hasn't seen it, it's pretty radical yeah. design. Yeah. Um, and it never came. So we spent the uh, the the fall and winter working on the air cooled bike, and got that really competitive, and uh, came out the first. Uh, national race in England, uh, Hawkstone Park, mm-hmm. and David was up with uh, Dave Thorpe at the time and a bunch of the other front runners. Yep, and beat beat all the Kawasaki factory riders on the water cooled bike. Nice, yeah. So yeah. We we got called to the carpet um, and for a meeting in Slough uh, by the Kawasaki boss and said, "Hey, we can't have this." Oh, really? We can't oh, have wow. the air cooled yeah, bike yeah. beating the water cooled bike, right? Because next year's bike is going to be based off the factory bike, and um, yeah. you're, you're going to need to have the water cooled bike. So we're going to get you bikes. <laughs> that's so, a that's a good way to get factory bikes, right? <laughs> it was, yeah. We were pumped. I mean, so uh, I think that that same week we were uh, on the ferry over to Joe Bay's house yeah. to pick up um, two eighty three factory bikes from Joe Bay. Joe Bay. Oh wow, and, uh, that's pretty cool. When we got there, yeah. uh, Jean Marie. Um, Joe Bay's mechanic goes, what are you doing here? I said, well, we come up to pick the 83 bikes. He said, well, what do you want those for? Well, like, well, we're going to race them. He uh-huh. goes, no. I'm like, well, yeah. He said, oh, you need to come see them. Is this, so, is this, uh, is this Alex Wright? Is this Alex Wright back then? The it was Alex Wright, yeah. Yeah, okay, yep. all right. Yep, Ace, uh, he, was, he was quite the character. Okay, um, yeah, I've heard some stories about him over the years from different people. Yeah, Alex Wright. Oh. Yeah, he was a uh, he was he was uh, he was an let's, interesting character. Let's back up a little bit though. Do you uh-huh. do you so you're doing the nationals with Rob and then and then Watson, but um, do you are you growing up and going and watching Graham Noyce and the and the GPS? Like, are you traveling to Hawkstone or wherever the GPS are and kind of getting an idea of what you want to do for a living? Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Um, not too many. I mean, um, you know, my family wasn't into motocross at all, so it was kind of out of my own pocket. And okay. I was, Did you I live was, far? Um, Did you live out in the country in England, or how far? In from, a, you know? Totally in the country, about 120 miles west of London. Oh, okay. Um, so there were, you know, lots of local races going on, but not too many um, uh, of the bigger races where we saw Noyce and, and Hudson and all yeah, those guys. Yeah, and, and um, Malherb and all these dudes. There was like one GP exactly. a year or whatever, I right? Mean, yeah. I do remember my first year um, racing. Um, uh, this friend that I started with, he had a, a 360 KTM. Okay. Which was... Uh, I don't like, even know what that... I, I, I didn't know there was ever such a thing as a 360 two-stroke KTM. But okay. It was a beast. I mean, it was like... <laughs> Pretty much unrideable, and uh, I think it was about maybe the eighth or ninth race uh, um, I, I rode. Um, was it Pickwick Motor Lodge down in the south of England? 
and they had um, the the grading system there would be juniors, uh-huh. um, which would be you know hey you're starting off yeah. up until the point I think you got twelve or twenty points by getting first, second, or third, as I recall, something right. like that. Yep. So I was in a junior uh, league, obviously still first year, but we would have an unlimited race. And the unlimited race was everybody in heat races. <laughs> I remember this heat race. Well, lining up, mm-hmm. and Noyce and Hudson were in the same race. Yeah, <laughs> you're just like yeah. I don't belong here. <laughs> exactly, and uh, yeah. I think they lapped me after a lap and a half. Right, so, right. Um, yeah. Okay, so you, you're in Belgium. You go to get the eighty. Is this eighty? Is this older bikes? This is eighty four. This was this was the previous years. Yeah, bike. so yeah, eighty three. The- right, so eighty four. I remember Joe Bay racing uh, eighty four factory uh, water cooled yep. cowies, but 80, yep. so you went to go get the 83 bikes. 83 bikes, yeah. yeah. And uh, one was just a frame with a swing arm on it, and the other one was, I guess you could say, a rolling chassis. <laughs> uh, and, uh, it had an engine in a frame and yeah. forks and pair of wheels on it, and the rest was just boxes of junk. Oh. And um, he couldn't believe that we were going to, uh, you know, race these bikes. Yeah. Um, and then we got to find out when we started doing some digging that nobody had even finished two legs of the of the of a of, of a GP with them, and it had like four or five different riders on them. I oh. think uh, <laughs> Kurt Nickel had rode them. Um, uh, who else? Uh, Jonathan Wright, I think, had rode rode one. Joe Bay had obviously done, an, and everybody was hated the bike. Yeah. Um, so I said, well, hey, that's what we got to work with. So yeah. I stripped them all down, figured out what would work off the production and bike. So we ended up putting the production transmission in there because I had plenty of gears. There was no parts. Right. Um, right. I think I had one spare head gasket because <laughs> it was water-cooled, obviously. Right, right. Uh, the, the 84 bike had a different head gasket on it. So you couldn't, you couldn't use that one. <laughs> nope. So I ended up having to um, modify the frame and the front of the cylinder so I could take the cylinder off with the head attached because I was afraid to, t- to use the head <laughs> yeah, gasket. Yeah, right. You're, you're and, like, I got this um, one gasket, right? Exactly. That was that was emergency. Um, yeah. We went off to Sittendorf in uh, in Austria, uh-huh. and um, uh, I got a feeling he, quali- he, he qualified right up front. Anyway, I don't remember if he was fastest, but I think he was top five in, right. in qualifying, which blew me away. Yeah. And um, come to the first first uh, first race, and he whole shot, and he was gone. And I can remember back to this day thinking, what the hell do I ride on the, on the pit board? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, this like, is pretty uh, amazing. And this this is the era of heavyweights in the 500 class. I oh, mean, yeah, this absolutely. Is, yeah, this, this was is... Thorpe, um, Vanderven, um, uh, Carlquist, yeah. Malherb. Right. Um, all these guys were, were behind, you know, and he was, he was, he was gone. He yeah. had the short mechanic straightaway lead at one point, but. He got tired and and faded back to fifth, and then lo and behold, second race did it again. Right, and um, yeah, we, so we ended up I think uh, lying fifth in the in the championship in this you know, bike built out of boxes. Of yeah, crap, this basically. this this Frankenstein eighty three eighty four production exactly. works bike. Right, right. The Japanese uh, guy that was there um, from Kawasaki, he was so appreciative. Uh, I guess I learned later on that uh, you know they were almost leaning on the sword because everybody said the bike was such a piece of shit. Yeah. And, yeah. um, and, uh, we went out and proved it wasn't, but, um, yeah, the 84, the 84s were good. Cause Joe Bay was good. 
Yeah, Joe Bay it was, was much better. Yeah, yeah. Yes, it was much better. It was a, a lot lighter, um, but that wasn't without its own problems too. I mean, we had the '84 bikes later on, yep. um, and they would bend the swing arm and all kinds of stuff like that. Um, but uh, it was definitely a much better bike. Not, uh, not, not uh, compared to those Hondas, though. Man, those things back then, unbelievable. That was that yeah. was quite the bike. Yeah, yeah. Um, 84, 85, 86, 87. All of those works bikes were just amazing. Those guys rode. In '85, um, uh, I was working with Kurt Nickel on the KTM, and um, uh, right from the get-go, the 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 factory KTM was such a beast. I yeah. mean, it was way more power than the Honda. Oh. Um, and uh, I, I think I had it ten days in my shop at home before I actually broke down and and called Kurt and said, "How the hell did you start this thing?" <laughs> <laughs> it was like, "Oh, you can't start it like a two-stroke. You have to get it over compression like a four-stroke and start it." Yeah, um, oh. and uh, I'm, not, I'm left not side kick, guy, but, left side kick on those too, right? Uh, yes. Yeah. 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 That was chain was all run the other side. Right. And, KTM did that for a few yeah. years back then. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so, okay, so uh, so Watson, so Watson had that year that really got you the bug and really, um, you know, got you going. Now, how do you go to KTM? That they that's a factory job. Uh, well, that was working for Kurt. Um, um, you know, it was factory, but most of the time over there, I think the majority of the mechanics work for the for the uh, for the rider. Oh, okay, and. Uh, it was on obviously uh, factory factory bikes and everything. Um, yeah. He was one of the factory riders, and um, uh, I got the job because Kurt had ridden the bike the the Kawasaki the year before. Yeah, and <laughs> it, it was like if that guy can can make those bikes work, yeah. then you know he's got to be pretty handy. So yeah, he's um, like I'm in, I'm in. Yeah, oh, exactly. that's funny. Um, uh, interesting to to see that back then. So KTM. 80, this is 85. I think Vanderven moves up, right? Vanderven's a factory 500 rider? That's yeah. correct, yeah. Right. We, had Magoo, we had Magoo as well. Right, um, so what was that like? That was interesting. Yeah, that was interesting. Now, Magoo um, said that he had he, he was super pissed because I think he won the France GP that year. Yep. Uh, he went for his only he GP did. win. But he also said that KTM told him to pull over. For guys, I don't know if you know if you heard that story or not. I I hadn't heard that one. Oh, okay, um, that I mean it could be possible. Um, I would be surprised, um, especially as Danny was the he was the favorite of uh, Joseph Hattinger, the five hundred guy. Oh, okay, um, all right. Yeah, so he had he had uh, uh, he always got everything first because they were they really believed and and like Danny okay. how uh, you know yeah. how hard he rode and. Obviously, how spectacularly he uh, he looked. Yeah, so, yeah, unbelievable. Uh, his 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 uh, sweeping of the MX and uh, trophy designations in '82, like that, is so underrated. When oh he, yeah, like in two weeks in a row, he just went one 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 against everybody. Yeah, amazing, right? So, um, so okay, I was going to ask if Vandervin was the favorite son here because uh, obviously he's he, he's Dutch and. You know what I mean? He's a world champion for KTM in the 250 class. So I was thinking maybe he was the favorite son, but no, it was pretty good. I, I think I think in general there was there was no big favoritism yep. um, from one rider to another. It was more that if one rider had an issue, um, they would do whatever they could to make the parts or to change the bike to suit that rider. Um, 
And I think that was almost a little bit of a problem in itself because there ended up so many different variables <laughs> of what you could use. Right. Um, it was uh, it was a little a little out of control, really. Um, just too many different things, you know. Um, so, are you getting much week to week for Kurt? Uh, are you getting much um, guidance from the factory? Like, or is it, is it like? Here's your work spikes for the year. You know, here's four bikes or whatever. Here's here's your work spikes, and we'll see you at the end of the year. And like you said, you guys were kind of on your own, or is this a KTM Austrian thing sending you stuff and 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 you know really being at the races and helping you out? Um, they were. Um, we would go to the factory on a fairly regular basis. I guess. Okay. Yeah. Um, and you know, every anytime there was a, a race where we had uh, an opportunity to to you know, hey, you know, it's 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 eight hours out of the way or whatever, like let's go back to the factory and refresh the bikes. Um, it was kind of a cool deal there, really, because you could go strip your bike down, mm-hmm. stick a tag on it, hang it on the production line, and it would go round through sandblasting, yeah. come out the other side, repowder coat it again. Oh, really? Oh, nice. And we used to go down the down the. Uh, um, down the uh, production line with a shopping cart, filling <laughs> it with plastic and yeah. stuff like that. Yeah. Um, but um, yeah, we went back as as often as we could, and right. um, we did have full built factory motors. Um, so you're not grinding and, these cylinders a little bit or doing things like that. You're kind of le- uh, leaving that alone. Not at that point. Right, no. Right. Um, th- we we weren't supposed to touch engines at that mm, point. Right. Um, but because we were a little remote doing the British Championship, we were getting certain issues like the head gasket kept blowing. Um, and there were, really wasn't a head gasket on it. It was just a face fit with a paper gasket around the outside. Oh, yeah. So I figured out I would take the head off and lap it in with valve uh, grinding paste yeah. and and then uh, seat it all down and fix the problem while come the first Eventually, GP, we're, yeah. <laughs> we're the only ones that are not blowing water out. And the engine guy goes like, I don't understand how come, you know, you don't yeah. have a problem. I go, no, no. And I didn't tell him what I did, first of all, just because yeah. I knew I was going to get in trouble for pulling the engine part. Yeah, oh, wow. It was and, that kind of stuff, yeah. Yeah, exactly. And then uh, and eventually he goes, you must have do something. I'm like, well, yeah. He's like, oh, well, I need to know so we can fix the other bikes. <laughs> and, um, and then, how, uh, how was Magoo? Do you have much interaction with him? Was he, was he a good dude? He was a good dude. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, he 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 did have a, a, a few um, um, uh, a few a few quirks, let's say. Yeah. Um, he he was definitely into uh, uh, let, let's say partying a little bit. Yeah. Enjoying himself. Yeah, and, a little uh, bit, right? <laughs> and, and that was uh, uh, you know uh, uh, a bit of a hurdle, but um, I mean, he was a great guy to be around for yeah. sure. Yeah. And it's such a shame what happened to him. So, so you're riding. So you're 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 racing against Joe Joe Bay and, and the Honda guys and doing pretty well yep. on on this bike, huh? Um, back was this now back to Watson days? Or no, no, or no. Nickel? With nickel. nickel. Yeah, yeah. Actually, yeah. the bike was the bike was definitely fast. I think. Um, can't remember if we ended up finishing eighth or fifth in the championship that year. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, we definitely got to a point. Um, part of the way through the season where we went to a, a practice track out in the middle of nowhere uh-huh. and um, it was just uh, Kurt, his brother Aaron uh, myself, Dave Thorpe and Thorpe's dad Okay. and um, uh, Dave Thorpe said do you want to ride my Honda? And um, <laughs> You're like don't do it Kurt don't, don't, 
Yeah, you know, I was like, uh, <laughs> well, what is this going to be? That he got on it, I could tell right away. Yeah. Like, oh my God, like, right. such a difference. And <laughs> I could see the big difference was he was able to get the throttle open so much earlier in the corners. Yeah. And um, it really sparked something in my mind about power characteristics. Yep. And um, after riding, riding the bike, um, you know, David and Kurt were talking, and he's like, Thorpe, said to me, it's fast, isn't it? And he goes, well, yeah, I, I, you can ride it fast, but, like, it's not that it's that much, it's not much power. And he goes, what do you mean? He goes, well, if you want to feel power, you want to ride my bike. Yeah. <laughs> and he wouldn't ride it. Oh, he wouldn't do it. Uh, okay. <laughs> no, he wouldn't do it. No. And um, I think back in those days, some of the various uh, engine configurations, they were, the KTM guys were claiming they had 72 horsepower at the crank. Come on, really? Jesus. Yeah, yeah. And it, and it, I mean, I'd ridden some of them, and yeah. uh, it was it was crazy. I mean, yeah. you know, when you think right now, I mean, that's kind of where a good, uh, you know, full-blown four-stroke would be at the crank. Yeah, um, yeah. That's that. that and, and yeah, I mean, well, you got to get the tire to hook up. That's the number one thing back then, right? So. Well, the, I mean, they, 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 they you could easily make that 500 three speed. Yeah. An issue. Yeah. Yeah. That, right. That, uh, that sort of uh, uh, characteristic. But um, after that, we, we, we went on a campaign of, of, of making it easier to ride. Yeah. And uh, I think consequently, you know, the bikes improved drastically after that. You had some base gaskets um, to stack up. You, you didn't have head gaskets, but you had base gaskets. <laughs> yeah, yeah, th- th- there was, but it was no problem to have different cylinders uh, yeah. um, uh, done. And, and, you know, the the big thing they ended up doing that drastically changed, it was a little tiny port, um, like a, a decompression port above the, the normal um, exhaust port. And yeah. that just bled off compression at, at lower revs, made it easier to start and uh, oh, yeah. made the bike a lot more rideable. Right, right. Did you get along with Kurt well? Did you like working for him and everything? And, yeah, and, and, yeah, it was yeah. Good. good. I mean, yeah. I was I was disappointed that we didn't continue, but he, um, in 86, he went back to Kawasaki. Yeah, that's when he goes to Cowie, right. Yeah, yeah of course. I'd shot myself in the foot with with Watson uh, uh, making the factory bikes work, uh, uh, you know, in uh, back in '84. Um, so Kurt told me, or Kurt's dad actually told me later on, I was doomed. There was no way you were going to get a job back at Kawasaki. Oh, really? That. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I just yeah. they just didn't want you to interfere with the bikes or whatever. Like, well, it yeah. was it was more that that I made everybody look bad. Yeah. Supposedly, yeah. I mean, that wasn't my intention. I was just right. trying to do the best possible job I could and um, you know that uh, um, it it didn't look good when we made the bike work. Right. So what did you do for 86? Uh, 86 uh, that was uh, I worked with Lawrence Spence Irish. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah. Cowie guy. Yeah. 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 And um, Robert Gear I think he wore. uh, He did. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. 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 Worst helmets going. I mean (laughs) Yeah, you could you could uh, um, uh, bump your head on the on the desk in front of you and get a concussion <laughs> with those things. So he was uh, number twelve, I think, that year. Um, could be. Uh, yeah, you got a better memory than I have. Irish guy. Um, yep. And so, how'd you enjoy that experience? Uh, that was good. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was it was kind of interesting because um, uh, when Kurt went to Kawasaki. Um, uh, that put Lawrence out of a job. Oh yeah, and um, uh, you know I'd mentioned to, to Lawrence because I'd, I'd 
I'd met him before, like, hey, you know, what do you think about riding KTM? And he's like, yeah, I'm up for it. Um, so I went to the KTM guys in England, and they got a got a deal going with him with factory bikes and everything. And I think that surprised his performance, surprised Kawasaki guys enough that they went behind um, behind everybody apparently and said, hey, if you can get out of that contract, um, we got we got uh, bikes, parts, and some money for you. Oh. Wow. So okay. he's he's apparently set off on a, on a campaign to get out of it, um, and KTM wouldn't let him out of it. So um, yeah, that that got a little little awkward. <laughs> and you're in the middle. Head. And you're in the middle of this again. So yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah I mean that's kind of been the been the uh, the, yeah. the process throughout the years. So, so in '86, do you do you hit the? Is Lawrence? Uh, are you him? And, do you guys go to the Carlsbad race? Um, do you remember? Do you know, I think we did, yeah. yeah. Um, gosh, memories fade in a little bit. It yeah. blends one into another. Right, um, right. Well, I was trying to get to the point of like, so, you know, you're growing up in England and you're working for these great riders and you're having success at the GP. So, like, when do you come to America? And I was thinking it was 86 Carlsbad or, or 85 80, Carlsbad. 85 or, okay. with, with, uh, with Kurt, yeah. So do you yeah. come to – and, you, you know, you see Johnson and you see Dogger and Bailey and these guys. Are you like – Man, I, I want to go to America to be a mechanic. Is that something that crosses your mind, or are you just like, I love California coming from rainy England? I think um, it really it was. I could see the the potential for the being involved in the motorcycle market was was bigger right. for the kind of thing that I did. Yeah. Um, there were there were more jobs. The 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 mechanics were. Um, Seen as a little more important than they were in Europe, you know. Um, You're looking at Cliff White and, being like, "That's the coolest dude ever, right there." <laughs> <laughs> it was, it was, it was. Yeah, I never really actually, I, I don't think, paid attention okay. to to the other mechanics that much. It was just like, wow, it, yeah. the sport just seems bigger here. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And um, you know, I was, I guess, forward thinking enough that like this is a good place to be. Right. Um, and uh, so it, it took me a while to to figure out how to get here. Uh-huh. Um, and um, yeah, so '85 uh, for for the Carlsbad by GP started all that. Yeah, that's uh, and '85 is the year that uh, I think Bailey wins, or, or maybe Bailey's wheel blows up. I don't remember, but do you remember how you guys did? Shitty, shitty, <laughs> hard pack <laughs> yeah. California stuff. I, I, yeah. I, honestly, I think it was such different conditions. Yeah. Um, the the and the European bikes were set up a little bit different. Um, yeah, Kurt's KTM not hooking up at Carlsbad. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, and and also I think that you know there's always been a, a, a let's say a, a them and us yep. uh, situation. I mean, all the European guys um, uh, thought about at the time really was being the best European. Yeah. Um, yeah. They wanted to get the most points available um, and looked at it as a long season. And, um, uh, you know, it wasn't about going and beating right. the Americans or anything like that. I mean, obviously, that was icing on the cake if you could do that. Yep. But it was really about being the best, scoring the most points that you could. Um, right. Getting through the race. Yeah, surviving and being like fourth place is great. Like or whatever, exactly. right? Yeah. Yep. Um. So eighty six is Spence. Um. Do you, do you do the Disnations with him? I think he wrote for Ireland um, a few times. No, I didn't do didn't do the Disnations. We 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 had a, a 
a falling out oh, because boy. of all the the Kawasaki thing. Yeah, the KTM um, thing. Yeah, and yeah. I, yeah, and I, and I ended up um, working with a young um, English rider for the end of the season, Stuart Coyle, okay. and um, finished out the season with uh, with Stuart. Okay, and um, and then eighty seven, um, Mervin Anstey. Oh, Swervin um, Merv. Yeah, yeah. So I did a did a year with uh, with Mervin or close to a year. Yeah, yeah. Um, we, now he was a wild over. guy, right? Uh, uh, kind of like he, there's a lot of stories about Swerve and Merv. Yes. Okay. I would I would say yes. <laughs> okay. Yeah, Mervin was definitely um, um, he was the most uh, um, hell bent on success <laughs> rider that I'd ever worked with for sure. I mean, he was definitely into the into the, the psychological side. And, yeah, um, yeah. And, uh, yeah, that was, it was interesting. Oh, um, that's, that's funny. Um, at this point, uh, do you know the riders well? Like, how's Joe Bay? How's Malherbe? How's Gabor's and these guys? Are you are you getting along with them? Are you, you know, is everything cool? You, you getting to know these they're, guys well? They're, they're very, um, uh, I don't say standoffish, but they keep themselves to themselves and they got their little cliques. Yeah, um, yeah. You know, um, uh, I, I wouldn't go as far as to say the, the, the egos were there, but um, they were they were definitely, uh, um, uh, you know, felt yep. like they were pretty important. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah. Um, Malherbe was someone obviously around, never did get to talk with him. But right. um, uh, Joe Bay, yes. Van der Ven, you know, pretty often. Yep. Um, uh, one of my favorites really was Calquist. Oh, you like um, hacking? Yeah, he was a good dude. Oh, yeah, he was a super guy. He and, seemed um, scary, Jim. He seemed really scary oh, to he me. He is scary. <laughs> oh, yeah, no shit. <laughs> no shit. Right. Uh, I, have a, I have a good good classic of uh, of um, Sittendorf with uh-huh. hacking. He was, uh, and, and, you know, they wouldn't let him ride the water-cooled bike, even though that thing was ready. And um, Oh, the YZM. Yeah. Oh, okay. Was, which was a piece of shit. But, yeah, um, I, that, yeah, that's a sort of an underreported thing. I talked to Vimond about this. I've talked to a couple other guys, and uh, yeah. Harry Nolte was one of the guys I talked to, too. They're like, yeah. that bike wasn't very good. I'm like, it looked no. so good. And they're like, it wasn't it very good. <laughs> it did, yeah. So Carla was on the on the air-cooled factory yep. bike, and that was... Um, the pancake was pipe, par- right? It had that pancake it, pipe on it? It did, yeah, yeah. yeah. It had a Paravolve air-cooled cylinder. Oh, okay. And, um, he was out in front, like, leading the, the GP, and then it started to get slower and slower and slower, and apparently the Paravolve was seizing in the cylinder. Okay. But he, he ended up, uh, I don't remember, he was top five anyway. I don't yeah. remember the exact position. And then he came out for the second race, and he, he was pretty mad. You could tell he was mad. He, he, he had quite a temper on him. Mm-hmm. So uh, he came out of the second race, and um, same thing again. He didn't get quite such a good start, but he was, he was you know, decently up front uh-huh. and just got slower and slower and slower. <laughs> and then uh, in the end, he, I think he, uh, he knew he wasn't going to finish, and he come barreling through the mechanics area, passed all the mechanics, stopped outside the park for a uh, tent, hooked it up into a big gear, revved it up and dropped the clutch and just fired it into the <laughs> tent. <laughs> oh, my yeah. God. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah the, the, another time he had the, he had the uh, shot fade completely in Luxembourg. Right. Yeah. And you could see the thing. He was having a hard time holding on to it. He, he tried for a few laps to, to 
to keep it going. And in the end, he pulls over in front of the mechanics and like his mechanic, um, Tommy and, and the Olean's guys were like uh-huh. all standing around and he just pushes up and down that seat. The thing's got no damping. Right. And he looks along to the next guy, pushes it up and down, <laughs> no damping. And he just looked at every one of them and just pushed it up and down <laughs> once to show there's no damping. Yeah. just walked off. <laughs> Didn't say a word. There you go, idiots. Um, yeah, exactly. There's a story about him, too, about trying to bury his bike, or grabbing a shovel or something, and, like, throwing dirt on his bike or something. He, he, yeah. I, I went down there for a moment. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's awesome. That's great. Yeah, yeah. he, he was uh, one of a kind out her for sure um and um was there any like obviously thorpey is the three-time world champion and nickel of course uh, i i like to tease kurt about this he's an amazing rider but i do like to tease kurt about being you know number two all those years was there a real uh, rivalry between those guys or did they they get along yeah Yeah, okay i think they got got along good actually but i think um uh you know uh, David was always working Kurt uh, um, on the psychological side, and it was uh, was kind of interesting because we, you know, Kurt Kurt would be trying so hard to like get with David because he was gone, you know, in, yeah. the, in the British Championship races, and like he would wash David would wash off clean clean shirt, come round and uh, to Kurt, and he was still sitting down, you know, in in, in the tent, steaming all dirty from the race. Yeah, thought, yeah. Well, that was a good race, you know. Like, yeah, yeah. He's going like he ain't even tired. He goes, yeah, he is. He's just like yeah, that on. He's just yeah, putting so, it on, right? Oh, that's, yeah, uh, but I mean, Thorpe at the time was uh, was uh, amazing. Um, it just, yeah, I, I find it funny that motocross section would, would say uh what was it the world's yeah. fastest novice or yeah. something yeah i mean yeah that just i mean that well little, yeah. and, and again he had rear brake problems at majoria right in 86 apparently right yeah. like uh, he had yeah. an issue going on and yeah mxa loved to beat that drum of america blah 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 but people forget in 85 in germany thorpe waxed everybody yeah, it, it, it's incredible, really, the the uh, the, the speed he had, and, and yep. I think how professional he and his dad were. Mm-hmm. Um, and it obviously helps when you got that kind of budget compared to everybody else. True, and you got yep. that kind of equipment, you right. know. Um, right. But uh, you can't take anything away from him. He was. Uh, I, he was and I think uh, Bailey O'Mara told me they would go to Japan to test before the season, and the GP guys were there, and he. I want to say one of them told me that Thorpe would work them, like on the testings, in the tests, like outdoor stuff. Yeah. Like, like Thorpe would be the fastest guy all all week, you know, while they were kind of working out the kinks of the bikes or whatever. Right. You know, I mean, this is Bailey, O'Mara, you know, all those guys. So Yeah, it, it wouldn't surprise me. He was good. I mean, it's just yep. incredible. And uh, nice guy, too. Yeah. I mean, super nice guy. Yeah, I did one of these with him years ago, and I got his number. I don't remember how I got his number. Called him up. He was watching football, a.k.a. soccer, yeah. he said. And uh, I said, well, I'd love to do one. Of, you know, He's like, let's do it right now. I'm like, okay, all right, let's do it. So yeah. Yeah, he was a great guy, great memory too, you know. So yeah. yeah. Um, Jim Lewis on the Fly Racing Racer X podcast presented by the folks at Maxis and Renthal and the folks at Cobolinks and, uh, of course, uh, um, motorsport.com. Uh, listen to these commercials uh, here and uh, support the sponsors, please. I'd really appreciate it. We'll be right back with more Jim Lewis. Thanks for listening to the podcast. Thank you to Fly Racing and uh, Renthal and Maxis. I also want to thank the folks at Coba Links. Listen, if you want to uh, get better plushness, improve your cornering, gain confidence by hovering a lower center of gravity on your bike. If you're a shorter person, if you're a female rider, if your wife needs this, 
Cobalinx is a lowering suspension link for everything, from Aprilia to Yamaha, used by trail riders, motocross racers, and adventure tours. They're all made in Boise. Uh, it's been 25 years this company's been in business, and they make links for everything out there, man. Cobalinks.com, 15% off and free U.S. shipping by using the code PulpMX. Cobalinks.com, use the code PulpMX. Uh, built in Boise, ridden and raced everywhere. Thank you to those guys. Also, thanks to Motorsport.com, OEM parts, aftermarket parts, Filthy Phil Nicoletti's big sponsor, uh, myself and RV as well. Motorsport.com, free shipping on anything over $79, which is really good. And a uh, great bunch of gearheads down there that will have you dialed in, whether it's a uh, uh, part for your bike, part for your street bike, part for your mountain bike. Uh, they've got it all over there at uh, Motorsport.com. Thanks to those guys for helping out. And uh, use the banner on PulpMX.com or PulpMXShow.com to save at Motorsport. Takes you to our uh, uh, sponsors, and uh, there's some great deals on there. So please, thanks to those guys. Thank you for listening. Back to Jim Lewis. All right, Jim, welcome back. Uh, thanks for doing this Fly Racing Racer X podcast. So now we're we're up to 88. What are you doing in 88? When do you come to America? It's it's right around now, right? Uh, I think end of end of 88. I'm trying to think about what. Uh, I think I uh, just did a little bit of local stuff with, okay. uh, with the KTM Importer at the beginning of 88. Mm-hmm. And then uh, I had a, uh, a call from um i think it was franz solomon my old, my old boss at, at ktm and said um mr trunkapoles would like you to come and work for brock glover and i'm like what yeah how does that happen uh, like who, who who how do they get your they just i guess they just know you right from your success with ktm we uh, obviously i've been been working with ktm through from 85 yeah. um and um you know i it was it was just good timing really i was uh, i was i was Pumped to pump to do it, um, and uh, I said, you know, well, what is the job going to be? So well, we, we want you to be his mechanic, and I'm like, okay, cool, all right, yeah, uh, I'm up for it. Um, but you'll need to come down and, and be at the factory, and we'll have an apartment for you and that kind of stuff. So oh, yeah, based out of there all the time then. Out of Austria. yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so it was kind of pack a bag, jump in the car, and off I go. <laughs> and, now um, people, for, so KTM hires Glover at the end of '88. To do a year in the GPS, and this is a brand new bike, right? A full works exactly. bike. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, there was hardly anything on that bike that came off the old bike, and um, that was a big deal for KTM, um, just because there were so many new parts. I don't think they'd ever built a bike that had so many new things on it. Yeah. Um, uh, there was always lots of parts from the old bike that came came over. Um, but I, I got there, and uh, they also had uh, hired um, Graham Kent, another mechanic, um, uh, ex-Yamaha mechanic, to be a mechanic as well. And Graham and I were like, uh, what is going on here? Right. And they're like, well, you know, we thought, um, you know, we have one guy for uh, all the internationals and another guy that can go with him uh, and, and be up in Belgium. And I'm like, yeah, that probably is not going to work. Um, you know, not because we did we were – Okay with it. It's just you got one mechanic, and he knows the he knows yeah. the rider, and, knows and, the bike, you know, and yeah, exactly. Um, so when we talked over, I said, well, you know, I'll 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 work in R and D and and go to the GPS if you want, and then um, uh, Graham can be his mechanic, and I'll I'll do all the liaison between you know racing and, yep. and R and D, and they said, oh, that's great, let's do that, yeah, okay. <laughs> so um, you know. It, <laughs> The big plan uh, changed instantly. Yeah, really, right? Um, um, that, yeah, that's interesting. They, they failed to mention that to you when you were in England. 
Exactly. You know, yeah, I mean, it was kind of like, uh, what am I doing here? Right, and right. Then, uh, it, it didn't stop there either because it's like, okay, uh, R&D, yeah, let's, let's get going then. And I'm like, okay, yeah, yeah, we need you to start working on the bike. And I'm like, okay, what, what am I working with? Well, here, um, you know, we need to get the frame finished. And I'm like, okay. okay. And there was the down tube. The, the the tube that goes down from the down tube down to the top of the shock, uh-huh. and then the loops that go around the bottom of the frame. They got no bracket from it, no no nothing. bracket. So the radiators, right. engine mounts, swing arm, linkage, nothing. And they're like, well, yeah, well, you know, we we'll tack it all together and stuff like. That. I'm like, uh, what are we tacking together with? Because I could gas weld decent, but I'd never used a MIG welder, and I'm. Within like half a day, I'm there welding up the frame for Brock Glover. <laughs> it's, it's like, what the hell am I doing? Right, right. Exactly. And um, so it really wasn't based on the '88 model at all, like geometry no, or nothing. nothing. Like nothing. Nothing, because it was even the clutch was on the opposite side. Okay. So, um, you know, cases and the '80 um, the '88 production bike was actually. Um, Left cylinder side. read, and yeah. this one was crankcase read. Oh, okay. And, and, so this, uh, yeah, this I was mean, something brand new for these guys. Absolutely, everything yeah. was new, um, and it, it it was quite the quite the education uh, uh, of how things shouldn't be done in all the respect. Um, <laughs> they were kind of going through bankruptcy around this time too, right? They were having issues. Well, that was a little later. Oh, was it later? Uh, okay, I got, yeah. I got caught up in that in in ninety uh, two. Um, oh, okay, all right. Yeah, that's that's down the road if you want to go out. Yeah, we that, so. well we'll get there, but um, yeah. So Brock ends up winning the final moto of the year, right? Yep. Yeah. And by that time, though, I was over in um, over in the states. Oh, you were okay. So take yeah. us through that. So uh, Brock, he, I mean, he has a decent year. He's older at this point. It's a brand new bike. I know. I, I know. Talking to him over the years, he he said, you know, what they promised me and what they what they got there was quite different. But he still did okay. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, he made the most of it when yep. when we first got that bike together. It was slower than the one twenty five. I mean, I remember oh, really? Tessa oh, in Italy, and Bobby Moore, Moore caught him and passed him and 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 left him. And um, but there was a lot of issues too. Like right away, I could see that the 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 pocket, you know, you you want to sit was so far back on the way that they built this bike. Yeah. And I, I said, like, hey, you know, you're going to sit too far back on this bike. And they're like, what are you talking about? You you're not the rider. Yeah. And I, but I, I I knew from all the testing I'd done over the years that that wasn't going to fly. Yeah. So I I actually got out of Brock. I said, "Hey, when you come in, pay attention to where you sit in the pocket of the bike." And he's like, "Okay." Yeah. So he walks in and like the first time looking at that how the the mock up of the bike is, and he goes like, "Boy, it looks like you sit the wrong way back on here." <laughs> and, the, and, the, and the frame guy turned around and looked at me as if you as if to say you said something. Yeah, yeah, he, yeah, he knew he was right. I had. <laughs> so, so it ended up costing a small fortune to change it, um, but it, it was it was too far back. I mean, I think yeah. we ended up where the the eighty eight bike was too far back, and this one was two inches further back. Oh, geez, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. So it was bad, and there was Case Reed, and yeah, it was. I thought I'd read that it was a copy of a Honda motor, but I guess not. Not if it was that slow. Well, it, it actually made more horsepower than the than the than the Honda. Okay. Um, and it, the first ones actually had a Honda transmission in it. Okay. Like the so whole, yeah. Okay. Both clusters. So it was a lot of stuff that was was uh, copied, but it was a. Uh, 
a marriage of the of a Honda motor and and the 125 motor. Right, right, and, right. Um, yeah, there was a lot of things that were um, <laughs> definitely not not where they needed to be. This is eighty nine. This is JMB coming into eighty nine. Yeah, this is JMB yeah. on a JMB wins the title in eighty nine. Yeah, yes, right, exactly. Uh, yeah. Are you going to the GPS at all or no? You're just doing. I did, you're, yeah, yeah, yeah. Actually, yeah. I went to most of them. Okay. Um, yeah. Um, uh, even uh, Venezuela, uh, which was a, a interesting one, hotter than hell there. Was it? Yeah. Humid. Yeah. Uh, made 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 uh, uh, Florida feel like uh, like Alaska. Oh shit! Uh, how was Brock to work with? How was uh, how did how did he do? How did he? I thought he was great. Yeah. Honestly, I'd heard lots of rumors and stories about you know he's he's a pain in the backside right. and yep. and I found quite the contrary because you know. With a development mind, I was always looking to try and make something as best as it could possibly be, and yeah. that's what he wanted. He knew what he wanted, and he he wasn't prepared to to uh, cut corners or give up if he thought that it was possible to fix it. And I, that was definitely on the same page as I was on. And I think um, you know, riders sometimes get those kind of reputation when the people around them don't want to... They don't want to work um, or whatever. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. And so, I, you know, I, th- I thought we'd gone great. Um, yeah. Didn't it have... Did you guys try show us stuff at one point? Did I remember seeing that? that or was it always a WP? I thought it was a, a little bit of a Franken-suspension uh, setup at one point. Um, yeah, i got to think that back. So I, I think it was always WP. Well, I actually... Thinking back, I think we did, you know, as a, as a back-to-back test, we tried the Honda forks. Yeah. There were lots of things that we we, we tried, um, you know, back there just to sort yeah. of, is it really that bad? <laughs> um, but, um, yeah, there it was a lot of uh, uh, development and learning curves. Yeah. I remember when we had the, 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 the new bike out, first of all, this was the first time that they'd made a one-piece um, front half to the to the uh, swing arm, and it was all sandcast. Oh, really? The, okay. The old one was all fabricated of extruded parts yeah, yeah. and welded up. Right. And when we put a shock on the new bike with similar settings in the old bike, we're like, uh, something wrong. Not working, like it yeah, was, yeah. It was so low and, and, and so much rebound damping. And it wasn't until later on we realized that the old settings had developed around so much flex in the frame. It, it, it was that much different, huh? It was, it that, was that much, much different. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. It, it was, it, we had to have a lot less damping because there was so much less flex in it. Yeah. Um, this bike's still around. I saw it at Prim's Museum way back in the day. You might want to tell Hall again to get a Actually, hold of it. Actually, it, it, it's uh, – <laughs> that bike that was up there is now, I think, in the um, – uh, the armory. Um, yeah, the guy, the guy who bought there. Prim stuff. Yeah. Yeah, he, Michael did look at it, um, but that bike, actually, uh, I, I know the history on it. It was one of the first bikes that we built, um, and then it, it kind of evolved past that. It was kind of discarded to one side. Okay. And then Brock wanted to have a bike to ride in between the USGP and Venezuela. Okay. Um, so we, when we didn't have one, so we rebuilt that bike up and shipped it over, and he actually never rode that over here. Um, oh. It you, was it was just... mothballed for a while, and then uh, Mike Healy rode it, actually. Um, uh, I think Commotion by the Ocean. Okay. Um, yeah, yeah. Beat, beat Bale on it. Um, but... Um, and yeah, then who knows how? And how does it end up in Prim's hand? Who knows? Somewhere along the line, 
somebody. Well, I know the I, I know the story. It was kind of given to given to somebody like, hey, if you want it, you can have it, kind of thing. Okay, yeah, yeah. Um, so, and, I always wondered. So that bike was a bike that you worked on, but just an early model. Sure. Yeah. yeah okay. Yeah. It was one of the one of the uh, I want to say one of the prototypes. It was almost like a pre-production bike. Yeah. yeah. Um, one of the first bikes that we used, and then and then you know newer frames came yeah, in, yeah. and and uh, so it was it was a, a genuine bike that Brocker rode at one point, but I don't I don't recall he ever rode that in a GP. How close was the ninety production bike? Because that's what they were saying, right? They're like, look, Brock's going to ride the eighty nine. It's a brand new bike, and then in ninety. We're launching, you know, that bike will be a production bike. How close was that ninety to what? It you... was pretty close. Was it? Yeah. Um, except I think the, the 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 first production bike that came out was so slow, and um, uh, you know when we got the first production bike there, I went. I was by that time I was working in California doing the media relations prep and tech and stuff. Uh huh. And I got out of the factory and go like, I can't take this bike. It's bad. <laughs> <laughs> and they're like, it's got to go. And then they got out of Rod Bush, and he, like, called me and go, that bike's got to go. I'm like, please don't make me take that bike. It's bad. <laughs> and um, and uh, they forced me to take it, said it's got to go. Yeah. And uh, it went to motocross action, and, and You're just like, Jody tore it a new asshole. Uh, said it was terrible. And, and, um, and you had no, I mean, you couldn't really fight that. You couldn't really fight it. Oh, no, he was uh, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was yeah. totally right. Um, but he uh and i kept all the faxes i mean it was just before obviously uh, being able to do um uh text and emails and stuff like that it was all fax yeah uh, i kept all the faxes i was looking through them but a month ago actually and saw all the thing where i was saying oh, please don't send this bike and yeah. <laughs> rod, rod saying it's got to go and all this kind of stuff but um it, jody agreed that if if uh if um if if the final bike uh-huh. was better and it was genuinely a production bike, it was going to come off the line. Then they would retest it. Yeah, and uh, KTM stopped production and and made a different cylinder and oh, all wow. kinds of stuff. Yeah, yeah, and actually, so we got two tests of that bike, uh, that first bike, and the second one was quite a bit better. Quite a bit um, better. Oh, that's funny. Yeah. I didn't. I don't remember yeah. reading that, but yeah, that's interesting. Um, yeah, if you look back at that bike, there's there's two tests on it. How did you end up in America then, halfway through '89? Uh, How does that happen? I think um, I could see that the 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 path there in KTM. If I stayed there, it was going to be. Um, uh, Kind of a, a, I guess, a challenge um, to 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 get things how I thought they wanted to be done. You know, they, uh-huh. the, the Austrians are very proud, like like Germans, and um, uh, there was often some some um, hurdles to cross in order to get things. Yep. You know, you couldn't go in and say, "Yeah, the, like Brock is right. This bike is slower than shit." Yeah. Um, yeah. Th- that would take you three months to get that across. Um, and that was really wasn't that my I didn't have the patience for that. Yeah. Um, so I, I asked like, hey, when when we got this bike ready, what do you think about me going over to the states and and um, helping launch the bike? And they said, oh, that's a great idea. <laughs> oh, so you um, you uh, came it was a make work project for yourself. Like you came up with the exactly, idea. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. I finally I'm like, oh, I also found a way to get back to the states. So yeah. Yeah, I I got um, transferred over to uh, to um, El Cajon. In California as media relations technician. Oh, nice! Yeah. And uh, I went uh, was doing all the magazine bikes, mm-hmm. um, 
And um, and as you mentioned, could, like with the ninety and and this stuff, like like your job is tough at this. Your job is tough. It is not like now. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it was uh, back back then. Um, you know, the 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 KTM motocross motocross bike had a shoot head was sitting on a stand all day, and you'd have to go to the editors and go, "Hey, can someone ride the KTM? <laughs> please, you know, please." Well, uh, what's yeah. funny is that the eighty-five KTM one twenty-five. I specifically remember. I think dirt bike calling it the fastest 125 made in 85 or 86, one of those years. Yeah. And, yep. and so it was like KTM was, you know, on the their first bike with disc brakes, first bike with upside down forks, right? And it was all this kind of cool stuff. And then yeah, they kind of lost all the momentum they had around that time. I, I think the, the the problem was was the expectations were so low um, that even if it was you know, twice as good as someone was thinking it it, it, it was when they actually rode it. Yeah, it still wasn't as good as a Japanese bike because they're they they were believing it was a pile. Yeah, um, yeah. Before they got on it, right, know? right, and, right, um, right. So that's where actually Salvaraj uh, Nariana and and I started the program with Healy uh, with the factory's blessing um, to do some motocross stuff in the Gold State Series just so that we could show yeah. it was a good motocross bike. Because um, obviously at the time, they're, 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 they're up front winning winning GPs in the yeah. 250 class and stuff, and then come over to the States, and it's like a, it's a pile of crap. Right, but, right. Uh, so Healy did really good, and um, uh, the the one year um, we won all three classes. I was going to say, yeah, I think he swept them, right, yeah. Yeah, exactly. And... Um, uh, so then the magazine test changed into on the right day, the right rider could win on this bike. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. Because so, I imagine Healy stuff. I mean, you were, they were production ish, right? I mean, there wasn't anything special yeah, totally. about them. Yeah. yeah right. Yeah, so yeah. it's just Healy being the, a good, Healy was a great rider. So yeah, the, the 125 had a good cylinder on it and, um, and then, um, everything else was production and I was able to make the, uh, uh, the, the 125 pull hard and and the and the 500 uh, rev and the 250 was in between. Okay, yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> just because he would be, you know, his dad was there uh, most of the races, and there were a few of the of the rounds where he'd come in in from winning on the one on the on the 250, let's say, and his dad was on the line on the 125, and he would go up drink I would drink water, fresh pair of uh, goggles, and go back out in the next race. Yeah, jeez. Those are, those are the days of good money too. He was probably crushing sure. money wise. Yeah, um, yeah. Uh, so how, Mike Fisher comes aboard in ninety one. Yep. Yeah. That was kind of like the next progression yeah. of um, of uh, hey, the, you know, the motocross program. Um, uh, you know, are was, you still media relations guy? Uh, or now you're more kind of. I mean, it was like <laughs> most of my uh, uh, my uh, allocation of what I cost went to um, racing. Yeah. Um, with a little bit still to uh, to, to uh, media relations, and uh, we had um, we got uh, Tom Bowen on board yep. um, then, and so Tom was kind of doing a lot of the uh, of the magazine stuff, and I was pretty much doing the um, uh, the the bikes for Fisher. Now, when I went to KTM in, in 2000, Moen still there, and uh, he was a big part of the yep. race program. His old desert racer, hilarious guy, low-key, yep. very funny. He's awesome. Yeah. Um, yep. So, yeah, Fisher's a San Diego guy, so Moen, Salvarage, and even you may have known Fish at this point, right? He was a Kawasaki 
uh, rider. He was a very good test rider, of course, and uh, so that probably all yep. fell into place pretty naturally. Yeah, I mean, I actually didn't know Mike until okay. uh, until Sal said, "Hey, um, what do you think about doing Supercross next year?" And I was all all into it. You know, I wanted to go out and prove what we could do. Yeah, um, and um, the the factory was all into it, and but KTM in Ohio weren't. Um, so that was a a battle. That was. Yeah. yeah, that was a battle for sure. And they, they saw themselves as uh, as uh, an enduro and and um, a, a desert yeah. uh, company, and the factory wanted to be a uh, you know all around. They wanted to be motocross as well. So it was a, quite a difficult position for me. But you know, I'm a, I'm a hardhead, so I, I kept forging forward. And then you were probably uh, dealing with Austria more than Ohio, and then probably uh, Ohio was hearing things and getting mad because you're going directly to Austria, <laughs> right? Correct, yeah. yeah, yeah. At, the, at the end of 92, um, when they were, um, and they'd gone bankrupt by the uh, by part of the way through 1992, yeah. and I remember being uh, <clears throat> in my apartment and Rodbush called me and said, uh, hey, I'm sitting back here reflecting of, you know, getting the company into, you know, a place where we can rebuild it. Um, and I'm thinking, what is the worst problem I've got to deal with in the company? And he said, eh, it did take me longer thinking it was you. <laughs> <laughs> really? <laughs> yep. Yeah. I'm like, holy shit. Okay. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. I was, uh, I was quite, quite put back at the time now, but I'm kind of, I'm, I'm quite proud of it now. Just yeah. like, hey, well, we push, we push things forward, you know, I mean, yeah. We we helped KTM become a motocross bike in the in the in the states. And fish was, had a good uh, fish had a good season. Fish did well. He did. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I think um, you know, um, I think he surprised himself too. I think if he'd have come in being you know in better shape, um, I, I think he would have surprised a lot of people. You yeah. Know? Um, what was he like uh, to work with? Was he? Could you see the potential? I mean, because after KTM, he goes on to be. Uh, Kawasaki R and D production developer guy forever. Yeah. Did you did you see that in him back then? Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, Fish and I got on on really good. I mean, um, you know, we still touch base every now and again now. Um, but uh, yeah, it was a little frustrating because I could see the potential. <laughs> right. Um, you know, I I could see there was more. I I you know, I mean, I don't know that we would have won, but we would have definitely been on the podium a few times. Um, but uh, you know, just. That was, I think, in the era where you know the getting into really good condition was just was a bit of a new concept then. Right, you know? right. Uh, I don't think every rider was in in great condition. And, no, uh, no. You watched Wardy and RJ. They yes. late in races, they definitely benefit. They catch a yep. lot. You watching old races, they you can tell that those guys are early on were in better shape than everybody, as well as being great right. riders. But you, they really exactly. did get guys yeah. late. You know, so yeah. Um, but, uh, how far off was that ninety-one of fishes from like Brock's bike? Was there much improvements? Yes. Yeah. Lots. So they kind of just slowly um, got better. The, yeah. The the ninety-one bike that we had, <clears throat> I think in the end we we got um, a good pipe, and I had them do a heavier crank, um, and eventually they cast some cylinders the same way as I'd made the ones. Uh, for four fish, okay. but everything else was production. Yeah, um, we had some special WP stuff with bigger forks and uh -huh. things like that. Um, but you know, it was surprisingly um, uh, close to production. And um, wow. yeah, fish was quite shocked on on like the frame. I think we only used two frames throughout the year, and um, 
he was saying back then that Kawasaki would be like, yeah, six hours you put a new frame on and you put it to one side for outdoors. Yeah. So, yeah, especially um, for Cowie back then. Those late 80s Cowies were, God, they were footbag springs and yeah. bolts and frames. Yeah, they, were, they weren't great. Yeah. Um, yeah. Are you driving? Are you box fanning it and driving around everywhere? Um, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, most of the time, I think it was a few races I flew to, but I right. mean, we, we had a, um, a small box van and then, uh, with Keith Johnson as well. Oh, that's um, right. Yeah. Yeah. So Keith was another good character. Yeah. Um, uh, 20, 29 that year. Was he 29? Yes, he yeah. was. That's yeah. right. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I remember the, the first race we went to doing the supercross thing, um, Keith broke a, a, a shock off, snapped the shock off, because um, they were only like a 14-millimeter shaft back in those days. And it, it broke off just above the, the clevis. Oh, yeah. Uh, Tampa, I believe. Yeah. And uh, the WP guys were like, oh, shit. Uh, <laughs> Keith was like, is that going to happen again? They're like, no, no, it'll be good. Yeah. Was, pulled the same thing on, and here goes Keith, like, tripping over some big-ass jumps, like, straight away. He You're right. Did, Bowl the size of an elephant. Uh, yeah. Certainly, the shock shaft size increased after that slowly. <laughs> yeah, I mean there were there were a few things I saw. Um, you know, when they when KTM built the LC4 four stroke, yeah. um, that thing vibrated so far so hard that they actually broke a shaft off on the dyno when they just like vibrated. Wow, Jesus! Yeah. Wow. So, um, they, they, so did you enjoy driving around and being a mechanic and finding places during the week and? I did that. Well, I did that again. For... I guess I wasn't mechanic then. Yeah. Um, they had um, a mechanic for both riders. Okay. Actually, um, uh, I can't remember the guy's second name. Was Tony was Mike's mechanic, but then uh, Leroy was uh, Keith's mechanic back oh, then. Oh, I didn't know that. Oh, Leroy. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, that's where I first met Leroy. Right. 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 Um, oh, interesting. So yeah, I was I was uh, just kind of. Doing the the tech side, I guess. Right, you know, right. So and you're still doing I some do. media stuff. Moen's got most of it handled, but you're still yes, doing some correct. of it. Yeah. Uh, yep. Where where do you go from there? What happens next? The bankruptcy comes. You're the biggest problem uh, at KTM. Yeah, I mean, I was getting ready for the ninety. Actually, it would have been ninety one. I think. I think ninety one. Um, I remember I was getting ready for the next year's production uh, model uh-huh. uh, after we'd finished the uh, racing. And um, <clears throat> doing some testing with the WP guys, and they put this obscure setting in the shock, and I was riding a little bit, and uh, ended up collapsing three vertebrae in my back, oh. uh, putting me on my back for months. And then while I was unable to work, the my, my uh, main buddy at, uh, at uh, WP, Hank Taus, he called me and go, Lewis, you've been paid? I'm like, uh, no, it's like the middle of the night. What, what are you talking about? <laughs> and um, he said, have you been paid? And I go, no. I said, you better call Slimer now. Yeah. So I, I, it was obviously middle of the day there, and I yeah. called called Slimer and go, hey, Fats, um, is there any issue getting paid? He goes, oh, Jim, you, you have not been paid? I'm like, no. I was paid quarterly. Oh, okay. Yeah, I was going to say, yeah. Uh. And they went, they, they'd they gone bankrupt, um, owing me a quarter of your salary. And, Damn. Um, yeah, so I was on an intercompany transfer visa, so I couldn't get another job. I couldn't sit, and I had no money. So that was a rough, rough time. Yeah, really, right? Jeez. Yeah. Uh, and you're and you're in America, and you're stuck in America with a broken back. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Where'd you crash yeah. at? Palm Avenue? You were trying to do some sort of uh, RJ jump? Or uh, something? Paris. Uh, oh, at Paris. Paris. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Just uh, a big. 
pothole in the corner, and I, I probably should have been stood up over it. Yeah, yeah. The stroke, I just, <laughs> that's all she wrote. Yeah, yeah. Um, so what do you do? What, how, what's next for you? Uh, well, eventually, I mean, I I, I, I found uh, um, a good acupuncturist, which numbed it up enough that I could sit. I got put a plane flight on to a uh, uh, credit card to get back to England, and um, a couple of good friends uh, helped me make a, uh, a a crate for all the stuff I wanted to keep, and I had a little Golf GTI at the time, and we loaded it on a boat, and I flew off to uh, to England, and I was back there, uh, I think, about four days, and I got on the phone to uh, to the to the secretary at KTM and uh-huh. said, "Hey, Patty, has that boat left yet?" And she's like, I, I don't think so. I'll call and find out. Yeah. She said, no, your stuff's on the boat, but it hasn't left yet. I said, get it off the boat. <laughs> I'm coming back somehow. <laughs> and, um, yeah, it was uh, probably 10 months later. Um, I got a job um, at uh, White Brothers. And, oh, okay. Uh, it working, uh, that was through through the WP guys. Oh, okay. So, uh, so you're a WP suspension guy, service guy or whatever, settings? Exactly. Oh, yeah, yeah, yep. yeah. yeah, they got me the job there running the WP suspension department. Right. And, um, uh, yeah, I, I worked with White Brothers for 15 years. Oh, wow. Various jobs. Uh, and, uh, Tom White, what a guy. What a great guy. What was it? Yeah. He he was he was uh, he was uh, an awesome guy. Yeah, I mean, between Dan and Tom was always a, a little bit of a challenge. I heard, uh, yeah, I heard that over the years, right? They yeah, they didn't yeah. always see eye to eye. No, that would be uh, an understatement <laughs> for sure. Yeah. So who yeah. comes up with the idea for the exhaust for Dub for Dub for White Brothers? Like who who starts that? Well, obviously they'd been going on exhaust uh, for quite some time. That was a different department to what yeah. I was working in. Uh, I think when they were heavy into the exhaust pipe stuff, um, I was uh, I was um, uh, working on the bicycle stuff and doing the bicycle suspension. Oh, okay, all right. And because um, I really feel uh, like they were a distributor, right? Forever, they're just a distributor. They're doing a good job, right? They got they put their name on some products here and there, but four strokes hit. And they come up with yep. these carbon mufflers, and we use them at Yamaha, and Honda uses them. And, and I mean, sales must have just been incredible for them for those exhausts. Well, the, you know? the, when I when I was working on the bicycle stuff, and that was around the time when yeah. the Mag Group bought White Brothers, okay, and um, they wanted out of the bicycle market, and um, they said, uh, uh, "If you help us, you know, package up the bicycle business to sell it, then hey, you know, we'll." we'll you could have a job anywhere and whatever you want to do. Okay. Um, so like, okay, I, I got a family to feed. Yeah. And um, I did that. We sold off the bicycle business. And then uh, they said, what about the exhaust pipes? And we're at, we're $1.1 million in back orders. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, yeah, okay. I'm going to yeah. – I'm not going to say I was an expert, but I knew how they worked. But yeah. I mean, wasn't to the point of being, uh, hey, I'm going to jump right in and, and – take over manufacturing but that's that's what i ended up doing um and they had 1.1 million dollars in back orders Jesus. yeah exactly totally right jumping in the deep end yeah um, they're like hey jim fire it up <laughs> yeah exactly and, and when i when i went in there and looked at way that it was virtually the e-series at the time there it was so time consuming and labor intensive and i'm going there's no way that we can spool this up yeah like that much right um and then they said, like, oh, and by the way, we've we just got assigned um, uh, 
factory Honda. Yeah. <laughs> and I figured, okay, we're going to hang this, uh, like, eight-pound uh, boat anchor <laughs> off the back of a factory Honda. I yeah. don't think that's going to fly. Right. Um, so uh, I went around and, and looked at, through every aspect of it, really, and said, okay, we've got to completely redesign the system. So, um, yeah, I went through and, and did all the drawings and everything and come up with the idea for the, the square uh, the carbon fiber yeah. pipe and yeah. all that stuff. And, and uh, yeah, it was very successful. Oh, yeah. We couldn't make them fast enough. No, um, no, it was, it was a real, real boon to, to WP, yeah. you know, I mean, to WB, yeah. White Brothers. Yeah. When you yeah. were doing WP over there, how busy yeah. were you? Like, what... Who would be sending stuff in? Like I, I don't even know like how many WP stuff was out there for them to keep keep you busy. But uh, was it, it was actually we had uh, uh, 1.4 guys in the in the suspension department okay. um, because obviously back then there wasn't as many people doing suspension. Right. Um, and uh, White Butters was the exclusive importer for WP. Yeah. Um, but we had uh, you know quite a lot of Harley business. Um, and we used to uh, do all the uh, dirt track guys in. Um, oh, okay. Scotty Parker yep. and Chris Carr and Springsteen and all those guys. And then um, Scott Summers on his XR600. Um, he was WP? He was uh, WP uh, shock all the time. Oh, okay. I mean, pretty much all his championships he rode with the same shock. And I mean the same shock. The same shock. shock. <laughs> yeah. And, um, and, uh, in certain events, he would use the WP forks, um, and then others he would use the conventional Showa. Yeah, yeah. Oh, wow! I uh, didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, so yeah, it was busy. It was a good business for him. The, the WP yeah, stuff. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Did Did you uh, enjoy being kind of Monday to Friday, nine to five, or whatever kind of guy, as opposed to, you know, the hectic? Uh, travel and hectic, uh, uh, you know, constantly putting out fires of, of, of bike R&D and racing. Did you enjoy that normalcy a little bit? It, it was definitely a different. Um, yeah. You know, it, it did allow for a much better family life. For um, sure, right. Uh, but, you know, I think once you get the racing thing in your blood, it's hard to get rid of. I, I mean, I still have that now. So, yeah. Um, it's uh, it, it was it was different, and you adapt to it, yeah. you know. Yeah, the the W the White Brothers exhaust stuff is booming. You're you're you guys are doing great business. Alan Olson's there. We're working with uh, uh you know obviously John Anderson uh, yep. there as well. Um, yeah, it's a real thriving company. And then and then Mag Company comes in and basically uh, runs it in the ground, <laughs> basically. Yeah, I mean it was it was pretty clear to me. I, yeah. I, I mean I was uh, at that time director of of uh research and development and manufacturing so i used to get all the daily numbers uh-huh. and i and i i could see on the financials like this ain't going anywhere yeah and yeah. Um, yeah. the stupid decisions they were making and uh amazing right know. amazing what these people do these these companies that just you just it happens time and time again and you're just like what are you guys doing what why would you take this successful business and start applying your own principles to it thereby driving the business down like I, exactly I, yeah. yeah i mean i think for years obviously it it, it has been um massage to to its its peak in order to look good for for sale yeah. and i think they thought that uh you know just that uh continuing that path would be um uh, the way to go but i think it was maxed out at that point you know right um uh just even to the to the point of we we sold um at that point obviously our own white butters exhaust we had um pc um they had formerly been doing fmf but that had gone away. Um, it was we were doing Yosh 
and big gun. Yeah. Um, and that, even that, when you think about it, it's hard to say, hey, our exhaust pipes are the best in the world. And, you know, they'll beat everything when you're distributing four yeah. other exhaust pipe brands, you know, it yep. just, um, it doesn't, does not up. No, it so. doesn't, doesn't really. You're, you're absolutely right. So how do you depart there? Well, I, I actually, uh, I could see where, where it was going and I, I, um, uh, I, I, I approached, uh, Scott Summers' old um, team uh, team manager slash mechanic uh, Fred Bramlett, who was um, around in the yeah. industry, and super you, agent, you know, super agent at this point, super yeah. agent, absolutely, right. yeah. Right. And uh, Fred and I had got you know a good friendship going, and uh, I asked him like, so when are these teams going to start doing their R and D and um, their own R and D? And he said, but it's funny you should say that. I need to introduce you to somebody, and uh, he was walking me over to. Um, uh, to uh, Michael Holligan's um, uh, transporter, and <laughs> lo and behold, Donnie Emler was there, and he's like, "Ah, better come back at a different time." <laughs> uh, you know, he, he, he might think you're doing something with the with White Brothers, but um, right. And uh, yeah, Michael flew me to uh, Texas. Uh, actually, flew myself and my wife to Texas and uh, showed us around and, and and made me an offer, and I'm like. That's it. We're we're moving. That was it. And, uh, wow. Yeah, we up and moved and uh, handed my notice in at uh, the White Brothers, and they were extremely disappointed. Yeah, I bet. Um, yeah. They were, you know, prepared to throw more money at the situation, and and uh, the the Honda guys were like pretty devastated. That was uh, Chuck Chuck, Chuck Miller, Miller back in yep. those days. Yeah, yep. and he was like. Uh, you know, later later on, he, he he told me like, if I'd have known you were leaving, we'd have made a position for you. Oh yeah. Um, <laughs> so I was uh, I thought that would have been another good uh, avenue to take, but yeah. Um, yeah. So we started uh, um, with uh, started off with Holligan Racing and uh, working with David Villeman and and uh, uh, as many people saw the reality of speed. Yeah, that which, didn't uh, go so well. <laughs> no, no, it was. Uh, I, I, I'm not sh- quite sure. You know what David's um, um, goals were, um, but um, I think um, wasn't quite in line with the team. Let's see. Yeah, and, I don't uh, think he wanted to work that hard anymore. You know, I think he liked the yeah, offer that Holligan made him. Yeah. I think he still he still had that uh, that that capability, and I was I was actually you know all for let's 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 let's, let's and. and um, and uh, you know, seeing if we can recover this, but un- unfortunately, I think the, the as a group, it was like, ah, no, this is over. We're gonna gonna cut the ties here. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, uh, I remember him telling because I he was I was at Yamaha that year that he left, and he was just right. like, he's like, it's double the money and it's Supercross only. It's great. It's gonna be amazing. Yeah. And we're like, okay, well, but you know. What what kind of team? What kind of bike is it? He's like, it doesn't matter. And I'm like, oh boy, there we go. It doesn't yeah, matter. You know what yeah, I mean? Like, no. Yeah. That's so, unfortunate. Yeah, I mean, yeah, for sure. But uh, these things happen. How did you know? like the? Uh, how did you like the uh, cameras being around and doing all that? Oh, I hated it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not a. Uh, I'd rather be in the in the in the background kind right, of thing, right. really. Um, yeah. You know, I, I think it's. Uh, I could do it again now. I think it was just like jumping in the deep end and the and the shock of it. I think it would be a little easier now. Um, right. But um, you know, there was. It was a uh, a uh, a TV show with a race team instead of being a race team with yeah. a TV show. Yeah, and, really, right? Um, you know, I think the good thing was it was 
it, it was literally like it said the reality of speed um there was no you know setting things up and staging it and coming out with a script of like we were going to do it yeah, was it was, it was what it. was going on right. and um uh, yeah that was uh that was quite some entertainment for a lot of people I oh think. it was great it was fantastic <laughs> it was it was must see tv for all of us in the industry yeah we, we love yeah. it um yeah. and you really start coming back on the scene with this kyle regal kid who i mean obviously uh kyle it, i don't think his career went as good as he wanted to but he certainly was very talented and i mean he's on a production bike and he he made the podium i think at, at a race uh maybe it might have been yeah, yeah, yeah just phenomenal rides and, and you were doing his bike and uh I remember you got some some notoriety out of that. People were very impressed. Yeah, I think um, obviously you know, right right time, right place. Um, you know, Kyle at that point, you know, um, was working really hard, um, and we we tested frequently and and worked worked on getting everything that he didn't like about the bike fixed. And I think we had the bike um, uh, very. Uh, predictable, uh, not where we would say it's it's now we've turned it into an awesome bike. Mm-hmm. But I think he knew exactly what that bike would and wouldn't do. Yeah, and um, you know, especially towards the end of the season, like um, in 2010, the the way that he was able to perform at the Nations, I think, was uh, um, you know uh, highlighted that really. Yeah. Yeah, he was um, he was strong. Uh, yeah. How much uh, did his dad affect things and get in the way, or or not at all, or how was that? Not not. I mean, in the positive way. I yep. mean, it's kind of obviously. I, I I heard the the times when he came on the show. And yeah. He's he's a color, colorful character for uh, sure. But uh-huh. um, Mark and I uh, we got on well. You right. know, it's like um, I think he was um, he was definitely a, a driving force there, and um, uh, the type of guy that's not not going to accept failure you know um and and kept pushing forward so. yeah yeah i know we know when, when kyle got the ride with the uh whatever that chad lanza team was uh yep. there were issues there you know what i mean but I, maybe that was because he wanted to stick with your stuff and the team didn't use you you know i think there was something along the, well, those I think kind of the, lines the 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 the, uh, the whole deal it changed evolved there you know i think um it's very easy for uh, a, an entrepreneur that wants to start a race team to get um, sucked in by the Kool-Aid. Yep. And, um, yep. and uh, I think um, there were some offers put on the table that he felt were too good to uh, refuse. So the original deal of like, if we go racing next year, this was the, the previous year, uh-huh. then, you know, if you want to use merge for doing all your stuff, not a problem. Um, and then when it actually came to it, it was a huge problem. Yeah, um, yeah. Uh, that that so, seems odd in racing, Jim. Never really heard of that stuff happening before. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's uh, it's it's an it's it's one of those things that we you know, for us merge. We we've we've learned to live with. You know, yeah. um, um, it's it's uh, it takes years of um of uh, building your name in order to be uh, considered as a, this is an advantage rather than a, a disadvantage. You yeah, know? right. Uh, MergeRacing.com, if you want to learn more about the work that Jim and, and company do, uh, please check that out. Fly Racing, RacerX Podcast. Again, brought to you by uh, Maxis and Renthal, Cobalinks, uh, as well as the folks at Motorsport.com, uh, all on board with this. Um, it's funny, Jim, you, you you know, going through your history and, and those that, that 
you know, you, you showed with Regal, you can put a privateer bike on the podium, right? Uh, you're working with Alex Martin now, but then like you're going back to the two stroke days and you're doing things that in that era and making improvements and making the bikes work. It's kind of a, you're, and then you're doing suspension stuff. Like the, it's interesting to see all the things that you can do to a motorcycle over the years. And it's just your, your pardon the, uh, pardon the depressing you here, but your age and your experience has almost allowed you to see everything under the sun. I can imagine even working on a four stroke today, you'll be like, you know, back in, uh, 92 we did this with the with the uh with the motor did this on the transmission and you know it did this and the rider liked it well let's try this with alex martin or whatever like it's just you have so much experience right absolutely yeah Yeah. and and it's it's something where you know um i i truly believe that if you're paying attention and you're trying to learn you'll learn every day Mm -hmm. um you know i think uh two Two years ago, three years ago, maybe. Um, I actually went to college for a couple of uh, semesters. Oh, really? Learn, oh, wow! Yeah, yeah. Learn CNC programming. Okay. Um, uh, you know, just because you know, I, I do our own um, uh, solid modeling now for uh, for making parts and stuff, and uh-huh. I wanted to be able to to make you know go through the whole process. Um, and even now with our uh, e- ECU programming and stuff, I think we have some fairly state-of-the-art ways of doing our uh, ECU programming. Um, uh-huh. A lot of our our maps start off in a in a spreadsheet um, uh, looking at the speed of the flow and the intake and cam timing and stuff like that. And we come up with our base maps, you know, even before it goes on the bike, um, which is pretty unique, I think. Yeah. Um, so we're we're constantly um, learning and evolving and, and improving, you know. Right. Those moments with Regal had to been make you pretty proud for what you what you did. I mean that that had been pr- pretty cool for you. It it did, yeah. yeah, for sure. Yeah. I, I think we had we've had some other good flashes of, of brilliance too. I mean the the year we did um, the bikes for um, Jimmy Albertson with the uh, um, with the Suzuki. Oh yeah, um, yeah. You know that uh, everybody looked at that bike as as you know it was the, the worst bike out there. But you know, I mean in in a very short time we got it competitive and. Um, I know that the the factory effort after that, they weren't that far ahead of where we were with a lot more resources, you know. So um, I think, um, uh, you know, it's just uh, the the vast majority of the time, it really is about the uh, the budget, how much you got to spend in order to to make it happen. And then having the right people around that don't spend on the wrong things. I mean, you see that a lot in race teams, I believe. Oh, for sure, right? Or or teams that don't have the parts, you know, they don't have the parts to to maintain the bike. You know what I mean? And and look after. Sure, well, that stuff. That, just... that goes back to the budget thing. Yeah, again. yep. You know, it's it's um, you know, you have, you have good people that that spend the money on the right things and and a good budget, and you're off and running. I think. Yeah, that's probably the number one thing you can learn from this podcast if you're listening and you own a team. Is uh, yeah, maybe 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 skip on the hospitality, but make sure you have uh, the right things working right on the motorcycle. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, exactly. spend it in the right spots for sure. Yeah, and you've always got to have um, you know an eye out for you know um, who's the next sponsor. You know, this yeah. year we've been very lucky with the team we got. We have uh, um, Manluck um, Industries, which is a big. Um, uh, company making oil and gas things and they're into some mining and stuff as well um and they're they're more of a a team partner um um you know 
most people would look at them at the moment as the as the um, uh, primary sponsor, but they're really more of a of a team partner. Yep. And you know, at some point, we we hope we will get a uh, you know fully fledged um, primary sponsoring because then we can take it to the to the next level. And and Manluck is you know ready to uh, to. Uh, uh, you know, step down a bit when um, when that happens. Right. But I think you have to be constantly looking at that. Yeah. And, um, yeah. Yeah. I don't know why our sport. I've said this over and over on all my shows, Jim. I just, you know, you can get such bang for your buck in our sport for a Fortune 500 company, as opposed to other sort of forms of racing. We have a good demo. We have the, you know, for for a million dollars, a team would give you so much signage and so much. Uh, um, exposure and you in front of a good demo, a youthful demo. We have live s- sports on. I just, uh, it just, we just haven't found the fit yet in our sport. Um, as opposed to say IndyCar, which you know we outdraw IndyCar in rankings. But you look at IndyCar race and the Fortune 500 companies and the people that are on those. Board, I mean, I just think it's a. I don't know if we're too rednecky. I don't know what's going on, but I know in our sport we could get a sponsor to dip in not much money and get a lot of exposure, but we can't seem to stick. We can't get Jimmy Jones to stick around. We can't get Dodge to stick around, et cetera, et cetera. I think honestly, that's got to come from whoever's, um, uh, not the, the Federation, but in, in our case at the moment, I think uh, with Feld and MX Sports, they've yep. got to get to the point of understanding that, um, you know, they could have a, uh, a, a nice, a piece of a, of a much bigger pie rather than to try and take as much of the pie that's there yeah. now as they can. Yeah. And um, I think uh, when you look at Formula One, and I, I love F- Formula One stuff, um, you know, they, they, they're doing a much better job of um, promoting the drivers, promoting the teams, and, and, and um, you know, making it accessible for new sponsors to come in and, and things like that. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately for years, and it's not just with, you know, Feld currently, um, in the past, they've, the, the, the companies that have been promoting, they always want to have their 10 cents out of it oh, as yeah. well, you know. Um, How about them calling sponsors that show up and sponsor teams absolutely. and then they'll get, Feld will call them? Yep, and be like, yep. "Why are you sponsoring a team? Sponsor the series." It's like, exactly. Like, and what I think it's just it's just that greedy um, nature is yep. what uh, stops it because um, it's hard for you to really promote a major sponsor yep. when um, you know the the, uh, uh, the the governing body, let's call it, or the promoter is 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 trying to bleed that sponsor as well. You know, I think yeah. it's uh, it's it's sad. Yeah, um, I'm with you, but. Uh, it's uh, the rising tide lifts all boats. Doesn't seem to apply to uh, some people in our sport, you know? <laughs> especially when someone's piling weights into the boat. Yeah, so yeah, exactly. yeah. yeah. Uh, well, Jim, thanks for the time, man. I knew this would be you know, an interesting what? podcast, and I, I knew uh, you'd done so much in the sport, and uh, you're a really, really smart guy. And I'm glad we got to spend the time to uh, to put out, map out your history in, in the sport. And again, MergeRacing.com. You can uh, contact them uh, if you need some stuff done to your bike and. Um, Yeah, man, good luck with everything. Uh, Congrats on a very successful career. Thanks for the time, Jim. Thank you. No worries. All right. Take care. Thanks for listening to the Fly Racing Steve Mathis Show. 
Don't forget to check out some of our past shows, including motocross legends such as The Bad Boy, Rick Johnson. I looked down and my hand was junk. I mean, yeah. I was sitting over to the side. The tendons were jerking in weird places. And my biggest disappointment with Danny Storbeck is that he never said sorry. Because Danny and I were friends, and we've never talked since. Brian Lunas. Before the 500 event, Dave and I fly to Germany, go down to Stuttgart. There's this little shop out the back of the mall factory. We get our cylinders, take them back, and, you know, off we go. And, you know, we ran Nicosil Cylinders as a factory part for a handful of years before anybody ever saw it in production. Dave Arnold. And, and Magoo was all, you know how he did the big pancake thing? Right. And, right. and he's got the thing, he's completely laying on the gas tank trying to miss his tree. I mean, he would have gone even harder, jumped farther if that tree hadn't have been, you know, yeah. if, if it hadn't been there. I love the guy. I don't dislike. I think he's the greatest competitor this sport ever had. Absolutely 100% in my mind. I firmly believe that statement I said about these modern-day guys in Switzerland or Holland or Belgium on 45 minutes on the same bike. You're not beating Roger. Are you crazy? They're not doing it. If they think they're so much better nowadays than they were in the States, they're fools. They're different bikes, different times. The Beast from the East, Damon Bradshaw. It got to the point where I didn't want to leave home. And once I got to the race, I wasn't into it. If I wasn't going to give 100%, I'm not going to take their money. The working class hero, Doug Henry. It was definitely an emotional moment for me, just thinking to myself, that's it, you know, and it's, it's amazing the stuff that goes through your head in a short amount of time of the things that, you know, that I was going to miss. The daughter, Ron Machine. Until you really open your ears and you want to listen to what they're saying, like beating a dead horse I mean, you know and i know from personal experience did anybody ever sit me down of course they did everybody did pro circuits mitch payton there's two ways to make the money one is you can sign for money or two you can earn the money i'm a high believer in earning the money i think they ride better when they earn the money seven time jeremy mcgrath i was so mad like so disappointed and so frustrated that i pulled pit and i left Every point counts. I could kick myself to this day for not just riding around in tents. It's been no problem. My, my ego got in the way, you know? The O Show, Johnny Omar. Stuff that you could, you'd sit there if you didn't even want to ride it. You just wanted to just look at it all day. I mean, I got a chance to test all that. I like that era I was in. I really do. Search Pulp MX in the iTunes Store to enjoy these and over 800 great motocross podcasts. Hey,